Coming up on today's show, those PlayStation Store rumors came true. PAX East has been canceled and Xbox is debuting a really expensive headset. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. You're back! I'm back, bitches! And Miss Christine Steimer! You're back! Yay! I'm glad I didn't stumble. I was like, oh my god, do I still got it? I still got it. It's only been, it's only yes. been a month. It's like riding a bicycle, baby girl. Riding a bicycle. <laughs> Indeed. Whether this is your first episode or your 228th episode, I'm so glad that you guys are joining us. It feels good to be back. Ladies, you did a fantastic job holding down the show as the Steinbachers. Steinbachers. Thank you, but we missed you very much. We're happy you're back. did. Yeah. Thank you. Good to have you back. And I'm sure everyone's dying to know how you're feeling. So... How you doing? Um, thank you to everybody who has reached out, by the way. So many of you have reached out and sent messages. It is very kind of you. I am on the mend, doing better. As you can see, Steimer is still recording at her house because it is difficult for me to sit at the production desk with this giant incision that I have down my abdomen um, until it heals just a little bit more. But overall, good. Um, moving around a bit more now, starting to eat a bit more food. I tweeted this week that I had my first cup of coffee Ooh. in over three weeks, which was very exciting. I was like, oh gosh, I missed you, caffeine. <laughs> and you had all that lovely beefaroni, dinty more as well. Yes, yes. I've been indulging in very processed foods that I ate a lot as a kid. And it was funny because I got the Chef Boyardee mini raviolis mm. and I made it in the microwave and John's like, what is that? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, did you never have this? And he's like, no. And I like had SpaghettiOs and he's like, I've never had SpaghettiOs either. I'm like, you've never had SpaghettiOs? Whoa. I technically never had SpaghettiOs. I had other stuff. I was more of the Easy Mac inclination. Mm, but so. That's good too. Oh Easy Mac God. didn't become a thing until I was like in high school. Yeah, yeah it was it, it was a bit. It was that was pretty much all I ate in high school though. It's big same. No, the beefaroni, oh. the spaghettios, the ravioli. I loved that shit. That's yeah, so good. I ate so much of that because my mom, being a single mom, because my parents got divorced when I was one, like needed something that she could give us that we could make for ourselves that was really easy and didn't require us to like boil water on the stove. <laughs> Burn the house down. We did eventually learn how to do that and I became very proficient at making myself mac and cheese. But um, yeah, I ate so much of that as a kid. And obviously like I know that it's not very healthy, but um, while bringing my you know digestion system back online after the surgery, I need things that are already processed so my intestines don't have to process it. And it's tough because like, I miss fruit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, 
Fruit sounds nice. I have been eating some watermelon, though, so that's exciting. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I think we take our bodies for granted. Simple things like eating fruit, you don't realize how complicated of a process that can be. Oh, yeah. Well, you know more than I don't know if I'm going to ever eat broccoli again because that was like the last thing I ate before I got really sick and went into the hospital. And I was just like, "Mm, I don't know, broccoli. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while (laughs) before I revisit. (laughs) I don't blame you. Blame the broccoli. Anywho, um, welcome to the show. I'll talk more about everything that went on at a later time, but we definitely want to get to some news that we have. I want to be- give a big thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Marcus Ian Brown, the nanobiologist, Mohammed Mohammed, and Punctified, and welcome to our Patreon community. Nicholas Perry at patreon.com slash what's good games. You can be part of the show by submitting your questions every week, and you can also get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this show is brought to you by Felix Gray and Logitech. We'll talk more about them later. Britt, we've got a new podcast reviewer. We do, and I don't understand it. So this one comes from Epic Gainer 3, and the title of the review is Pogolicious. And then the review itself is, this is very Pogolicious. It's probably Pog. Pogolicious. What, but why? What? Pog, Poggers is a Twitch chat thing. That is correct. Oh. It is Twitch lingo. Okay, see, I'm It's I'm a not good thing. Hip. Okay, good. Okay, great. I'm like, what's a pogo stick? Licious. I don't know what's happening here. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Thanks, I think ladies. it's like pog licious. That would be my guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, all I know are pogo sticks. Remember pogo sticks? I yes, the they yeah. still exist. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Kids these days, they don't use things. Did like you that. ever have to do a pogo them. stick in gym class? Uh, yeah, and it was a hot fucking mess. You know, <laughs> no, both of you know how fucking uncoordinated I am and the klutz that I am. Can you imagine my ass on a pogo stick? I can imagine yes, your ass yes, on I the can. floor with a pogo yeah. stick. <laughs> with Thank- much hilarity. <laughs> Thankfully, there were mats all around. It's like the teacher knew the hot mess that was about to happen. But yeah, yeah it was not great. Well, thank you, Pog Alicious. Don't forget, you guys can help support everything we do. If you don't have a couple bucks to throw us on Patreon, a great way to support the show is just give us a few minutes of your time by leaving us a five-star review. Now, without further ado, let's get into the news. I love that you guys so thoroughly covered the what ifs of this story, and now it's real. So PlayStation Store for PS3 and PS Vita officially closes this summer. So this was, of course, a rumor that the Steinbachers covered last week from, what was it, thegamer.com? Was that the name of the website? Yeah, thegamer. That rumor. And uh, Polygon has the details now. Sony has confirmed that the PlayStation Store access for PS3, Vita, and Portable, that PSP, will end this summer. It closes on August 27th, 2021 for the PS3 and the Vita, and the PSP's remaining purchase functions will end on July 2nd, so quite a bit earlier. So you might want to mark those down in your calendar. PS3, Vita, and PSP owners will still be able to re-download and play any games they've purchased, though, through the PlayStation Store, and users can still redeem voucher codes for games and PlayStation Plus 2. Additionally, multi-platform cross-buy purchases are still possible, meaning users can still buy content made available to both PlayStation 4 and PS3, PS Vita, and or PSP. Players can still access their content by way of their download list on their respective device. Sony has specified that these store closures will not affect their access to PS3 or PlayStation Vita titles they claimed through their PS Plus subscription. Those can still be re-downloaded as long as your Plus membership remains current 
as per the rules. So if you guys remember, PlayStation Plus had their last month of PS3 and Vita titles back in February 2019. So it's been wow. a while uh, since they've shut those down. Um, but all new purchases are over. So if you are thinking about logging in and buying a couple things, uh, you're too late. This goes for buying any new game or video content as well as in-game purchases on the PS3, Vita, or the PSV. Uh, you could also no longer redeem gift cards through these devices. So... It will stay in your PSN wallet, but you have to buy things on the PS4 or the PS5. But good news, if you're like, I'm PS3 forever, I will never upgrade to PS4 or PS5. Fuck you, Sony. <laughs> uh, you can get a refund uh, with any leftover funds after the store access closes. Though, if uh, my memory serves, getting refunds from Sony is oh not boy. exactly an easy process. So you might want to just, you know, buy something new. Yeah. Well, it happened. We talked about it, like you said, a lot last week. I don't know how much more we need to kick this story in the face, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, this is... You know, you guys kind of really thoroughly talked about the challenges of digital history and digital preservation when it comes to these stores. And I think as we march further and further into a digital future, it's going to become an even bigger issue of like, how do we preserve these games if there's no physical copies of them anywhere, right? Are they just going to be a file on like a USB <laughs> stick somewhere? <laughs> Is that like what the preservation looks like? Um, and mm, I think that that's, that's what our lives that will be. Our it's lives true. will be relegated to a USB stick. Our consciousness will be flash drives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's, I know it's something that people in the video game historical community are already addressing and looking at and saying, like, how do we make sure that these games don't just disappear forever? And um, it is kind of a bummer, but I, you know, I haven't plugged in my PS3 since the PS4 came out. Yeah. So. Well, not surprising. Like I talked about on last week, I used that not that long ago for Yakuza Dead Souls. Ah. But it is interesting because I was telling my grandma about this because she has a PS3 specifically hooked up for her old retro games, the PS1 classics, that you can get so many of them on her PlayStation. So I told her last week, I'm like, you might want to download some, you know, in case you, uh, in case this actually happens and you're going to lose all of them. And I'm glad I did because she has one PlayStation 3 hooked up to a very specific TV in her house where she likes to go back and play a lot of the classics. But um, yeah, I mean, again, like I already said everything I need to say last week. We do have a question, though, from Daquan Bynum. And I think we've covered this mostly, but we'll read it anyway because Daquan's awesome. Does this decision by Sony spell doom for consoles in the future? How do digital-only consoles survive or adapt with the times? Love you, ladies, and I'm so glad Andrea is okay. Aw, thank you. I appreciate that. I am okay. How do digital-only consoles survive and adapt with the times? Well, um, digital-only consoles, I think, actually are going to be just fine in the future. If you look at the way game sales are going... It's mostly, it's head in digital. I think every console platform except for Nintendo at this point are more than halfway, or they're reporting digital sales that are over 50%. So I think digital only consoles are going to be like A-OK. -okay. And like we said last week too, I think as we progress with technology, we're going to be able to see that a lot of our libraries are going to be able to transfer over from generation to generation. Where it gets tricky though is those old games, right? Like the PlayStation 1 games, the PlayStation 2 games. And also, if you're seeing the news lately, a lot of games are losing code to some of their legacy con the legacy titles. 
and they're not able to bring him back. And so I think that's just going to, it's going to be touch and go, depending on like what games you're looking for, et cetera. Yeah. And I think the real concern for me is how long will the platformer holders keep the digital files on their back end so that you can re-download it if you delete it off your system? Because obviously with the PlayStation 5, storage is a humongous issue. And I'm constantly deleting things from my system because the <laughs> in-console system is so small compared to how big the file sizes are. And so if there's ever a time where, you know, Sony decides, oh, we're not going to host the master file on the back end and I can't re-download it from my library, then that is a concern. But obviously right now, you know, Sony has not indicated that they're taking any of those like legacy files off their system saying, hey, if you are like a PSP owner, we'll still host the files and you can still re-download them, but you just can't buy them from the store. Yeah. So something to to worry about, I guess. I, mean, I don't know that you need to worry about it. I do think any time that will become a quote-unquote reality is very far down the line. I think Sony would rather not take that PR hit um, because basically telling the PS3 owners of the world, like, sorry, we don't care about you is probably not the message you really want to send. Um, <laughs> and so I, th I, think, I think in the future, even when storefronts close down, at least for platforms, they will still be able to... You'll be able to download what you've purchased. You just obviously can't interact with the storefront anymore and like buy anything or use a code or do anything like that that you normally would be able to. But per Brittany's point earlier, I think part of that is a lot of these stores were like the first initial go at it. So you kind of do have to like throw that scrap away and rebuild something in the future that hopefully, knock on wood, is more sustainable for the future and can just be built into newer, like the PS6, whenever that comes out. Oh, God. Um, okay, right? Terrifying. But <laughs> <laughs> whenever that comes out, ideally, the new store is built flexibly so you can actually possibly just take it and, and move it over to the next one. Similar to Xbox did it. So for this so nice past generation. So much smoother. Smooth like a... I don't know what. What's the what do people use for that saying? Smooth like, like butter. Butter. Mm. Usually butter is one of them. Yeah, butter is pretty smooth. I just opened a new container of butter yesterday actually and it's very satisfying. <laughs> it was like look how smooth and like perfectly like warped it is, you know? How it has little like the ripples in Wait, it. And is shit. this like I can't believe it's not butter cuz that's the only thing I is, no. is rippled like Was it that. room temperature or was it cold? It was it was cold. It was just it's that spreadable shit. Mm, so know. it has a lot of oil mm. in it, probably to make it gotcha. spreadable. Yeah. Oh, it was really it was really sexy though. Or maybe that's now just you me. got me thinking about butter. Mm, mm, butter. Some carry gold in the fridge. Ooh, carry gold mm. is delicious. Mm. Not that you should just eat butter, butter but you know. Well, <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> Don't just eat butter, kids. <laughs> Your advice from What's Good Games. All right, Brit. We've got some sad slash not surprising news up next. We sure do. And it's all about PAX East. So this comes from The Vange. PAX East is canceled, but organizers are cautiously optimistic about other in-person events. So the PAX East 2021 gaming convention, previously scheduled for June 3rd through the 6th, which was, Britain out, going to be a total nightmare, has been canceled. Penny Arcade and event coordination company ReadPop announced... The PAX organizers also announced an online convention called PAX Online 2021 for July 15th to July 18th. 
quote, while we hoped PAX East could safely take place, remained realistic and did not sell any tickets or space to exhibitors to avoid significantly inconveniencing our friends and partners. Kyle Mardson Kish, the PAX event coordinator at Reed Pop, said in a statement. As we have shown via our actions throughout the pandemic, our utmost concern is the safety of the PAX family, from attendees, exhibitors, and show staff to media and content creators, as well as the local communities that host our celebrations of all things gaming. We will only move forward with a live PAX once we are confident the show will be safe for everyone. The conference organizers said that PAX East will happen again in Boston in 2022, but no specific date was given. They are also cautiously optimistic that PAX West and PAX Unplugged will still happen as planned as in-person events in September and December, respectively. Well, this Bold. is the right call. DK2112 wrote in and says, what do you think the likelihood that PAX West will be in person this year? And if it is, will WDG attend? Uh, I think with the way the vaccine rollout is going, that there is a possibility for a early September event to be realistic because I think by then, you know, it looks like we're ahead of where we thought we would be with vaccine rollouts, thanks to the Biden-Harris administration, which is great. Um, but the problem is not everybody <clears throat> is getting the vaccine. <laughs> You know, it's available to them. Which yeah, is, I think we'll know, just need a little bit more data on the protection that the vaccines give, especially with the new strains coming out and your yes. ability to pass it on. It, like the new, the data coming in does look promising, but I don't think it's necessarily conclusive yet. Um, right. So when and not when all we the vaccines that, give you the same level of protection, right? Right. So right. I think once we get more data on that, it will be a lot clearer whether or not something like a Pax West is considered safe. Um, for those who have vaccine, because like personally, if it turns out to be you're vaccinated by, you know, these specific types, it doesn't matter. You know, the new strains, you know, you still might get sick, but it'll be way, way less severe. Um, then I think it's kind of like, all right, you can travel and do what you want. Um, but that I mean, because if you choose to not get the vaccine, I guess it's more of like whether or not the places are you're choosing to not get the vaccine or whether or not you just don't have it available. Like that's mm -hmm. kind of the the main right. issue and i think by september it'll be available to everybody who wants to get it and maybe read pop could look at saying you know like hey like when you buy tickets like we're gonna require you to register by uploading a copy of your vaccination card you know like maybe that's something that they consider um i don't know if that's feasible or not for them or maybe they just drastically reduce the size but i think the reason why you know, they had to cancel PAX East at the beginning of June is because not only, you know, is vaccination rollout not going to be thorough by then, but the city of Boston probably was like, yo, we're not ready to accommodate for those kinds of crowds. Local businesses, you know, probably weren't ready to accommodate. And also the exhibitors probably were like, no, dog, we're not coming. And without the exhibitors, you can't sell tickets. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, like you said, and I think Seattle, too, and Washington in general is doing really good. I think California might be the same way, starting as April 15th for you guys, too, that yep, um, yep. everyone over 16 will be eligible for the vaccine. And But the issue that we're seeing specifically, like you were saying, is that people just aren't getting it. Like, there are so many vaccines where I live, and there's just like, we got so much we don't do with them. So just a friendly reminder to get a vaccination. Help yourself. Help the world, friends. Yes, 
It's good. Don't die from COVID-19. No. Get a vaccine. We made it this far. It is a 100% effective rate against fatality from COVID if you get the vaccine. So yeah. You survived this far. Speaking of clusterfucks, we don't have to go too much into this, but did you ladies see the thing about San Diego Comic-Con? No. Yes, the announcement that they are going to be doing a special edition of San Diego Comic-Con over Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah. What? No, I missed this. Yes, yeah. they announced that last week, and I was like, who? No, they didn't announce it during the week. They announced it on Saturday when WonderCon was happening, and I was like, who thought that doing it on a holiday weekend, not just any holiday weekend, because obviously PAX is over Labor Day weekend every year, mm-hmm. but Thanksgiving, the first major family holiday where by, by November... You know, like everybody should be vaccinated and we should have herd immunity, according to the CDC, if, you know, everything goes to, to plan, that people are going to want to be with their family and their friends and they're not going to want to be traveling and like to require exhibitors to be doing load in on the holiday. Yeah. And I know they're saying it's more of like a boutique. It's not going to be like as big as regular San Diego Comic-Con is, but ugh, I was disappointed. Yeah, I think that's it for me, too, is we have the choice whether or not we'd want to attend, right? We don't have to be there, but there's so many companies out there that are going to have to attend and have to do that. And for a lot of people, this is going to be one of the first opportunities they get to see their family. And it's like, why you do that? And their statement, they were saying, you know, oh, we do need to make some money. You know, we need to generate some more revenue. And I get it. And I bet this was the only weekend that was available. And I understand that, too. But instead of just trying to justify it the way they did, I think it would have came across a lot better if they had just said, hey, sorry, this is the best we can do. This is what this is for. But instead, it kind of tackled it from this angle of, but there have been other conventions that go over Thanksgiving weekend, and people seem to like that. So we don't see what the big deal is. I don't know. Anyway. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who are like, I don't care. I don't do anything for Thanksgiving. And, you know, people in my feed were like, what about all the retail workers? You know, they always have to work Thanksgiving anyway. And I was like, yeah, but when you work in retail, you know that you have to work holidays. Like you sign up for it knowing that like it's part of the gig. Just like when I was bartending, I signed up knowing that I would have to work major holidays because it's just part of the gig. But like Comic-Con has never been over a major holiday. And like the studios aren't going to participate over the holidays. Hollywood shuts down. Like they are donezo for the end of the year, like the week before Thanksgiving. Anywho, yeah, I saw I saw the cluster, Brit. It was yeah. it was dumb. Yeah. All right, let's continue on with the news. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Felix Gray. The science is deafening. Most clear blue light lenses filter two to three percent of blue light from screens, but Felix Gray filters fifteen times more. Finally, blue light glasses designed for the twenty first century. So let's talk about blue light and what kinds of blue light you're exposed to on the daily. Major sources include phones, your tablets, computers, TVs, Kindles, and even LED light bulbs are shown to emit more blue light than their incandescent counterparts. Common symptoms from blue light exposure can include headaches, blurry vision, dry, tired eyes, and trouble sleeping. Plus, exposure to blue light at night can impact melatonin secretion, that hormone that regulates sleep that's so important. But did you know that it also messes with our internal balance, which 
can also affect your sleep, cause stress, headaches, blurry vision, and eye fatigue. Well, Felix Grey glasses filter 15 times more blue light from screens than other clear blue light lenses to help restore your balance. And they're super stylish. I have been rocking these clear Roblings and have been absolutely loving them. They're a pair of glasses designed for the 21st century as the frames are hand finished from Italian acetate, making them durable, lightweight, super comfortable, and who doesn't want to be fancy in their blue light glasses? Everybody does. You mm -hmm. want to be fancy. But if you guys don't love your Felix Grey glasses, good news. In the first 30 days, their in-house customer care team will take care of exchanges and returns. No hassle, no questions asked. If you guys want to help protect your eyes and make sure that you don't suffer from all those terrible symptoms I was just talking about, you can go to felixgrayglasses.com slash games to shop their glasses collection that work as hard as you do. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash games where you can get free shipping free exchanges, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash games. I'm wearing mine today, too. Look, look how cool you look. Super cute Felix Grays. Yeah, mine are Turing and Horn. Huh? Oh, I like that. You know, I actually went to the website to order a second pair because I like these glasses so much, and I realized that my prescription is out of date. Uh-oh. <laughs> Since the last time I ordered them, and now I have to go... Get a new prescription. Get those peepers looked at, girl. <sighs> Our next story is all about backwards compatibility. So this is just another added value that Xbox is bringing to their Game Pass members. Stimer, would you like to read this one? <laughs> sure. Uh, so yeah, basically what Andrea just said. <laughs> this is from the Xbox Wire. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members can now tap into a collection of favorites from the past in a whole new way, right on mobile devices, turning them into retro handheld game systems. 16 original Xbox and Xbox 360, oh, best consoles still, uh, games are now available on Android phones and tablets with more games coming soon. We've listened to the feedback going all the way back to our earliest cloud gaming preview and making games from previous generations available on mobile devices has been one of the most requested features by the community. So now you'll be able to play a range of games on mobile from original Xbox titles like Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind to Xbox 360 hits Banjo-Kazooie, Fable 2, and Fallout New Vegas. We're also enabling touch controls for Jetpack Refueled, Viva Pinata, and Viva Pinata Trouble in Paradise, allowing you to tend to your garden with easy. With easy? With ease. <laughs> with games connected through the Xbox network, you're able to bring past saves with you and play along with gamers around the world. So existing Game Pass member, Ultimate members can go back in time and start playing today. Ooh. I'm glad you read that story because if I read it, I would have said Viva Pinata Tip. Yeah. <laughs> it's trouble in paradise. I know. <laughs> I almost downloaded Viva Pinata uh, my Series X while I was looking at games because I had tweeted asking for people's recommendations. So I downloaded a couple games to check out and I saw Viva Pinata. And I was like, maybe I should play Ooh. this so I can see what Steimer's love of Viva Pinata is all about. And then I was like, I wonder if they're going to, excuse me, do like a remaster. Maybe I'll wait. No. I don't know. Do if you think a remaster is coming for that game or no? I have no idea. I, my guess is no, but. I, I would be pleasantly surprised if they did. Um, but I mean, I still, yeah, no, I think that game is just great. Like, because it's just super chill. So it'd be a great thing for you to, to, to dive into. 
We have a question from Devin Nitz about Viva mm-hmm. Pinata. Curious to know if Steimer plans to check out Viva Pinata and if touch controls would make any meaningful difference to the game. I don't know how the touch control... I mean, I imagine you're just... Tapping? Like, I don't know if it's tapping or if you're just using, like, have your fingers on the on the screen as joy Like joysticks. glass controls? Mm. Yeah, I don't know if it... I don't know what it means. Like, I would need more information in order to say whether or not that will help. I personally don't think the game is hard to play anyway without it, so... I would say it's probably just more meaningful in terms of accessibility than anything else. Um, and if I plan on checking it out, the last thing I need in my life is Viva Pinata on my phone because <laughs> I will not do anything. I have to. I well, still have to do work and like be a productive human being. Thankfully, you don't have to worry about that until they come to iOS devices because still ain't there yet. I don't have an Android phone and I do not have a tablet. Yeah, I wonder when they're coming. It's kind of a bummer. They're, I know they're working on their workaround. Mr. Yeah. Spencer has said as such, but uh, yeah. No. Yeah, they're probably still negotiating with Apple, would be my guess. Let's just make some money, everybody. Make some money yeah. together. Everybody Apple's make like, money. no, Play we money. want all of the money. We want all of the money. We want a Scrooge McDuck into all of our money. We want money coming out of our buttholes, you know? That sounds like, unpleasant. It does sound incredibly unpleasant, but if you're Scrooge McDucking, Sam, your, your mouth's going to be open when you dive into the, the pile of gold, and inevitably it's just going to kind of go through your system and pop if out the other If it was like, end, you know? The, if the Scrooge McDuck pool is filled with chocolate coins, that might be okay. Ooh, you know, that's a good point, because I was going to say, but then the, the metallic wrapper would hurt really bad, but oh, also yeah. like, I mean, a gold coin would hurt. It. But <laughs> if you're on, diving girl. into... Oh, so you're diving into basically a pool of chocolate. If point. people can untie... A cherry, or no, sorry. If people can tie a cherry stem into a Same. knot with their tongue, I am hoping you could figure out how to get foil off in your mouth and spit it out <laughs> before swallowing. So you're saying screws would duck into a pile of gold chocolate coins and while they're in your mouth, like, and like undo and like pew, spit out the gold, like, casing Correct. of it. And then digest. Okay. Correct. It's like when That's you eat a, big a cherry, too. You eat a cherry, you spit out the seeds. That's a big ask, Steimer. I don't know about that one. Also, this is not a Steinbacher episode. We have Andrea back. <laughs> I love it. I love it though, because the thing I'm thinking of is just how difficult the foil is to get off those coins. Sometimes. I know. And like, how are you going to do that with your tongue? You like need your fingernails you need to your like teeth. get the like edges of the foil off those coins. You know what it would be like? You know that liquor, Andrea. I know you saw it, Steinbacher. I don't know if you saw it. The liquor bus that I tweeted about. That thing has teeth coming out of its tongue. You would need to essentially become a bioweapon, and then you can <sighs> do it. Yeah. There you go. That Problem sounds solved. horrifying. That yeah, it's pretty gross. Horrifying. It's like a huge dick with teeth in it. It's not great. Ew. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, moving on. <laughs> good. Um, good, good, good. No, but um, really, uh, this is great news. Thanks, Xbox. You're, you're, doing, you're doing a good thing. You're doing a good thing with some backwards compatibility in the cloud. Hooray. If you guys want to find the whole list of games, of course, you can head on over to Xbox.com. Our last Xbox story... Our last Not story. as popular as the one I just read. It's, tr- it's true. Uh, Bang & Olufsen, a very well-known luxury audio brand, has made a luxurious gaming headset that's going to cost as much as an Xbox Series X if you could only find one. <laughs> yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Uh, Bang & Olufsen <laughs> has announced the BioPlay Portal, its first wireless gaming headset along with an interface so the product maintains the company's signature sophisticated look and i actually 
have a little uh I have a little trailer here if you guys want to take a Ooh. look at this bad boy. Um, it was created with the Xbox ecosystem in mind with the push of a button pairing, uh, put with a push of its pairing button, excuse me. You can connect to the Series X, Xbox One, Series S, or to a PC that has the Xbox wireless adapter plugged into it. Additionally, it can support a concurrent connection with Bluetooth 5.1 for other devices, including consoles, if you supply the Bluetooth adapter. This way, oh, I love those white ones. They are just mm, sexy. They're very pretty. You can take calls without totally detaching from game audio. Now, that is the thing that people were very excited about with the Xbox headset that was announced that just shipped out, I believe, a week ago, two weeks mm. ago. Um, is the idea that you can't connect to multiple Bluetooth devices at a time, but with this new technology, apparently, you can. Similar to the Bose gaming headset that was released last year, the Bayo Play Portal looks like a high-end wireless headphones and in many ways acts like them too, but comes with a high-end price. The cost, $499. Yes, $500. They are available in the black colorway currently at a variety of retail stores or from the Bang & Olufsen website. The two other colors, the gray and navy, are going to be available starting later in April on April 29th. So the model comes with adaptive active noise cancellation, a gaming audio mode that automatically activates when connected wirelessly to a console or when wired via USB-C to a PC. And, of course, they also have a 3.5-millimeter headphone jack. And there's an app, because everything's got to have an app these days, mm -hmm. for both iOS and Android that has some features with the Play portal benefits. Um, uh, apparently, um, the benefits include things like microphone optimization, uh, game chat audio balance, which is something I know people were uh, concerned about, because you got to make sure you can hear your friends when you're playing with them, right? That's a, that's a motorcycle that is very loud on the freeway. Oh, I didn't hear it. Okay, I great. Thought, I heard it. I thought it was John singing. <laughs> anyway. No. Amazing. It is not. They will also have Dolby Atmos support for virtualized surround sound. Ooh. So uh, what do you think, ladies? Worth 500 bucks? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about this kind of shit to like, get my panties in a bundle over and be like, oh, my God, I know you get what you pay for usually in tech. And I'm assuming that these would sound smooth like a fresh tub of butter. But I, I don't know if I would ever pay $500 for it. Don't think yeah, I Yeah, I'm like, they look really like they're very well designed visually. Yeah. I think the navy colorway is really pretty because it has like a coppery uh, thing on the end. <laughs> I know terms about headphones. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah like for me I'm not a high I'm like not an audiophile I usually just use the TV speakers unless I am specifically on voice chat with people um so like to me personally no this would not be worth 4.99 but I imagine if you are constantly wearing headphones like investing in a good pair might be worth it mm -hmm. I can absolutely see this being a productivity buy for people who are PC players that also, you know, want to be able to connect to their phone. Like maybe they want to connect to Slack on their phone or Discord on their phone or just take regular phone calls while they're gaming or while they're working throughout the day. Um, you know, like to, if you're not using speakers on your PC, if you're using a headset, I can see that absolutely being something that is great. It's just, yeah, I need to, Test them out and see how comfy they are for that price point because we were looking at the price of the Bose gaming headset, which John was gifted 
by his parents at Christmas, I think, like last year or something, when they came out. And those are really nice, but those are only three twenty nine, so one hundred and seventy dollars cheaper than these Bang and Olufsen. Yeah, so it's a lot. That's a big difference. Can't get the console, but at least you can get the headset. (laughs) You know, pick one. (laughs) True. It's true. And in case you missed it, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, as predicted, is going to be coming to PS5 and Xbox Series Xbox Series X um, later this year. CD Projekt Red has confirmed a next-gen update. Of course, it is a very well-known, very well-selling game. It's no surprise that they're doing next-gen updates for The Witcher 3. And they also have been talking a little bit about that game, Cyberpunk 2077. We're not going to go into details, but they released a whopper of a patch note earlier this week. Uh, hundreds of changes, mm-hmm. multiple pages of <laughs> so bullet many points pages. that have details. A very big patch. And they are apparently, according to a recent investor call, reconsidering multiplayer, which is mm. not a bad call. Nope. Maybe... Maybe you just push that way out or just not even bother with it. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like, you know, they learned a lot from this launch of Cyberpunk, and that's great. They're looking at redoing their marketing strategy, maybe not announcing things so far in advance. You know, maybe not hopping on the multiplayer train as hard as they were. You get better. You do you. And all that good stuff. Exactly. And that's going to do it for our news for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Britt and I have been getting cozy. In the grove. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. And now it's time for some announcements. I know we haven't been doing announcements a lot lately, but we've got a lot of announcements. Like, for example, this Saturday, that's right, tomorrow, April 3rd, is our March Patreon streams. Thank you for your patience, patrons. While I was in the hospital, we couldn't do any streams. But the happy hour Q&A is going to start at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And then if you are a legendary patron and above, you can get in the live recording of our exclusive podcast starting at 12.15 Pacific time. So hopefully we will see y'all for that. And mark in your calendar because April's Patreon streams are going to be Saturday, April 24th. And speaking of special streams in April, we are actually going to be doing our four-year anniversary stream a bit early this year. So the three of us all have different weird conflicting commitments in the middle of May when we normally do our anniversary. And so we were looking at weekends and the only time we could figure out to make it work is to do it in the middle of April. And we're actually doing it on a Monday because Steimer has unfortunate work commitments on the weekends. Wah, wah. So Monday, April 12th. That's right, you guys. In just two weeks is going to be our four-year anniversary stream. And it's going to be very exciting. So be sure to mark that down as well. That, of course, will be live for everybody on twitch.tv slash what's good games. We're going to have our compilation video. We're going to be looking at some reviews and review. It's going to be a fun show. I'm excited, ladies. Four years. Can you believe it? No. No, I cannot. No. I was looking to do some old clips, and God, we all look like babies. Like children. We are, we are tiny little babies. Tiny children. I love seeing the progression of both of your hair. Because my hair's pretty much stayed the same. <laughs> yeah. But, like, your guys' hair has changed lengths and colors. And it's great, like, going back down memory lane and checking out old clips. So 
that'll be a fun one. So Monday, April 12th, hopefully you guys can join us. And that's it for our announcements. Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And this is where we talk about what we've been playing and any events that we have been to. And this week, the second segment is brought to you by Logitech G. The G733 Lightspeed Wireless Gaming Headset is one that we talked to you guys about a lot on this show. So hopefully some of you out there have purchased yours and are enjoying it because it comes with all kinds of cool tech like 2.4 gigahertz wireless connectivity, front-facing dual-zone light sync RGB, blue voice mic technology, Pro-G audio drivers, and multiple colorways to choose from. It has total freedom because you can go up to 20 meters of wireless range, just enough for me to go to my kitchen and get a snack while I'm in the middle of a Destiny raid. <laughs> it works out <laughs> great, you guys. Snacks are important when you're gaming. When you're wireless, you don't have to worry about being plugged into anything. And speaking of raiding, keep those long gaming sessions going with over 29 hours of battery life. You can play wirelessly with your PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 with stereo surround sound. And of course, you can personalize your headset lighting with the front-facing dual-zone light sync RGB accent lights like Steimer has. Look at look at those little accent lights. Ooh. You got it in the sleek, sexy black colorway. I love it, looking great. Each G733 colorway has its own unique headband design with reversible suspension headband that's designed for the ultimate comfort during long play sessions. Plus those soft dual layer memory foam conforms to your head and contours around your jaw for better seal, reducing stretch points and delivering longer lasting comfort. Did I mention it was available in multiple colorways? Yes, I did. So as you could see, Steimer has the sleek, sexy black color. Um, I have shown you guys my lilac color before with the yellow headband. Uh, and there are a couple other colorways to choose from as well because customization is key. For a limited time, Logitech G is offering our listeners express shipping at logitechg.com. If you use the code What's Good Games Free Ship 42, you can get express shipping today. It's express shipping for all Logitech G products like the Pro Wireless Mouse or the G915 uh, Wireless mm. Keyboard and all of the other amazing products that they have over there. All you got to do is type in that promo code What's Good Games Free Ship 42, but you got to hurry because that code expires in just three days. LogitechG.com. Use code What's Good Games Free Ship 42. I've not been playing as many games as I thought I would play in my recovery. I have a long list of games. Thank you to everybody who recommended uh, games for me. But a lot of the time I've just been like not like had the mental bandwidth to do anything but just kind of like lay like a potato on the couch. <laughs> yeah, man, you went through some I mean, uh, yeah, intense shit. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you went in for a little cosmetic procedure or anything like that. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. I wasn't planning to go in at all, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it just happened. Anywho, one of the things that didn't just happen, though, was my time with Cozy Grove. Mm. So this is a game that I learned about from one Joey Noel from Kind of Funny. She tweeted about it, and I was like, whoa, what is this game? And why haven't I seen it or heard about it? And so I reached out to the PR team at Pop Agenda and was like, can you tell me more about this game and can I try it out? So they sent me a code for Nintendo Switch. Brittany, you are also playing Cozy Grove. What platform are you on? I am playing on Switch. 
as well. Excellent. I technically have a code for the game, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Because I was playing uh, something okay, else. Okay, because this is later. definitely a Steimer game. It is. I think yeah, yeah, you're yeah. really going to like it. I got the... I got the press release for it and I forwarded it to Steimer. I was like, yo, girl, like, this is such... Because I learned about it when it released on Apple Arcade because it's it's a part of that service right now. But then, and I tried it out and then after I played for about 25 minutes or so, I thought this would be so much better on the Switch. And then I also requested a code and got one from Pop Agenda as well. But no, it's super duper cute. It's developed by Spry Game, Spry Fox. And the little synopsis is, it's a snug in a bug game where players find themselves on what appears to be an abandoned island that happens to be haunted, but it's not spooky. Playing as a spirit scout, players will forage, craft, fish, and help the spirits dwelling there find peace, helping to restore color to the island. Andrea, I'm so happy you're playing this because you were someone I thought of. Because I was like, it kind of feels a little bit like Animal Crossing, but a lighter version of it. Is that? This feels like Animal Crossing cross like Spiritfarer. Yeah. It's so good. It's so fun. It's so chill. Yeah, it's much more approachable. There's less to do, which is great. And the game itself like, tells you, hey, you're kind of all done for today. Come back tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. the the flamey, your little campfire spirit that lives in the campfire, you feed him a specific amount of spirit logs per day. You get these spirit logs from different quests around the island, from the island residences. And then... Oh, excuse me. I missed my move <laughs> adjusting. Anywho, um, you get these quests, but there's only a limited amount you could do per day. And then the game's like, okay, cool. You did your chores for today. Come back tomorrow. And at first I was a little bit torn about how I felt about that. Because part of me, when I first started playing Animal Crossing, really wanted to play a lot. And the game really slowed you down. And I talked before on the show about how I really appreciated that Tim Schafer really kind of dropped some wisdom on me back when I first started playing Animal Crossing about how it's a commentary on life that you can't just get everything you want when you want it. You have to wait for things and you have to earn things and things take time and it's okay to slow down. And I was like, this is too deep for me, Tim. (laughs) I just want to plant some trees and harvest some fruit. I just want to build every bridge on my island now. (laughs) No, I'm totally on the struggle bus with that as well because, you know, I'm kind of on a sim kick right now. They're just super relaxing games and I love playing them. So we've been talking about Story of Seasons a ton. I put 80 hours into that game and I just bulldozed through it and now I'm like through with it. I'm like, okay, that lasted me about a month. Now I'm done. Now now what? I need more. And I was reading this quote from Spry Fox CEO's David Eatery or Edry. Sorry, sir, I don't know how to say your name. Um, but yeah, basically he said, we want Cozy Grove to be this delightful little ritual that you look forward to every day. You only need to maybe play for 30 minutes a day. You don't need to play for eight hours a day. You know, something that we want this to be something that you can span over months or maybe even years that you, that you can just hop into, do a few quests and then be done with it. But it's so relaxing that I just, I want more to do. So there'll be days where maybe there will be three or four spirit logs that I need to find. And, you know, by finding hidden items or maybe catching a certain amount of fish or turning some stuff in. But then there's other times where there's maybe only two. And then I'm like, well, now what? Then I just go fish and I relax and I unwind with it. And it's, it's really scratching a really good itch right now. Animal Crossing was just a little too much for me, but this feels like a much more condensed version that I'm really able to get into and look forward to literally every day. It's part of my ritual. I wake up and I play it. And I get my shit done. 
Yeah, it's a really nice morning thing where I like, you know, open it up. So these are just our first impressions, by the way, because I've only been playing for three days. Okay. And like a weekend. Yeah, the PR team was like, you know, we want you to put a solid two weeks of daily time in before you give your final impressions of the game. And so still have a little bit of a ways to go before I, you know, I'm able to figure out like, you know, what the kind of long-term play is for this. But so far it's nice. I, I am, there's still some things that aren't explained to me that I'm confused about that I'm just holding out hope. And I think it's probably all going to become clear because each day you learn a little bit more. I do like how there's a crafting system that seems to be pretty deep, quite a few different materials that you can gather. And I love how you get rewarded by putting things in your collection because in Animal Crossing, when you bring stuff to Blathers for the museum, he just takes it and goes, thank you. And you get nothing <laughs> for it. But here, when you bring it over to the little bear seagull guy, yeah. the captain, uh, all, all of the quest givers are different types of bears, by the way, which is weird, but because they're all like boxy shaped, but they're like bear hybrids. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you give him things for your collection, you get rewards for it. You either get, you know, these gems that you can use to buy things or coins or you get recipes for the crafting bench. And I was like, oh, so now I feel like I'm incentivized to donate to my collection because I actually get something in return and I like that. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's fun to turn some stuff in and he looks so happy when you turn stuff into him. He's just like this happy little Captain Bear. I found a bear that's made of wood the other day and that one kind of freaked me out a little bit. But anyway... <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what's up with that. Um, it is fun, though. They're, they do encourage you to kind of decorate your space and, like, your tent area with different things. And certain plants or certain animals get happy when it's around certain kinds of decor. So maybe it's antique stuff or gothic stuff. Um, it's a little cumbersome right now to place stuff around. I, yes. It's, yeah, it's really bad. You have to essentially have the item in your hand, walk to a spot where you think you want it, and then your option is just to place it there. You can't like move it around to see like on a grid to see where you want it. Hopefully, that's something that'll be fixed. Maybe it makes more sense when you're playing on like an, an iPhone or something. But um, for the Switch, yeah, right now, that's what I was thinking. Is that yeah. if you're playing on mobile, that you can like drag and drop it? And I don't know why that functionality isn't on console yet and they are putting out a patch before launch so the game is out officially on april 8th mm -hmm. and so we are playing in a pre-launch environment and they have said specifically for switch that there's a big patch coming uh with some fixes but it makes sense now why animal crossing is on such a strict grid system because it makes it so that you know exactly where everything is going to be placed whereas here a lot of times when I'm decorating with things, I have to pick it up, drop it, pick it up, drop it, pick it up, drop it a couple of yeah. times before I can figure out exactly how I want to place it because it's a little awkward, as you mentioned. Yeah. And this game has a 40-hour campaign, which I did not realize until just now. I was looking uh -huh. at info on it. And that'll last you a very long time, especially if you're only playing, you know, 30 minutes or so a day, which is all you really need to get all your tasks done. But no, this is it's really cute. Um, I'm excited to talk more about it next week because we'll have more time with it. But so far, it's nice and relaxing. It's cute. Yeah. Yeah. And it's coming to Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC on April 8th. So yeah. thanks to the team at Spry Fox for sending some codes over. 
Steimer, are we, have we inspired you to, to start your expedition into Cozy I was, Grove? I was always going to. Um, actually, I saw Ashley Jenkins tweet about this game, and I was like, what is this? And so I went and I looked at it, and I thought, yes, I will be playing this game for sure. Um, so that's not my issue. My issue was more that I started playing something else. <laughs> Ooh. Segway. <gasps> Go uh, on. Yeah. So I was still kind of like feeling a little co-op-y. So I mm-hmm. uh, had played Outriders with Jackie. We kind of ran through the whole demo and got my character up to the level cap. And then once we kind of hit a few of those bumps, we're like, we don't really feel like grinding this. So um she mentioned Avengers, and I was like, oh, are the new campaigns co-op? And we looked up, and they were, so we decided to hop back into Avengers. Um, now, the funny part about this is, you know, the thing we take for granted <laughs> is Xbox Smart Delivery, because it's so much better than the PlayStation Dumb oh. Delivery, which is basically, I had to download PlayStation 4 version of Avengers, then download the PlayStation 5 version of Avengers, make sure my PlayStation 4 version had the cloud save onto it, sync it, there's like a sync th- option or whatever on PlayStation 4, then once the PS5 version was on, click into that. Theoretically, it, this was also broken, like it told me that I also had to hit a sync button, there was no sync button, um, but all of the stuff synced anyway. So all of my, in, my all of my stuff was there. It just didn't. The step mm. wasn't there for. It was weird. I was like, all right, well, it worked clearly, so I guess it's fine. But like, I've heard a it little. was a clusterfuck. I remember reading about that. Yeah, yeah, that process was really not not great. Um, but we we did get to hop into the game. I still play Black Widow because. It's the character that I'm the farthest on at this point. She's now level 50 um, and has like 130-ish power level. Um, But I mean, like the campaigns are relatively fine. I think it definitely reiterated to me the issues with this game, which are just the repetition. So like the actual character moments are strong still, especially with the new characters, Kate Bishop and then Clint. I forget Clint's last name. Don't kill me. Um, but the Hawkeyes. Uh, and Clint's campaign is super short by comparison. Oh. So Kate's is actually like a, a few hours that Jackie and I ran through it. But it's just always like the, it's the same thing of it's still like aim. You're <laughs> still fighting. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, environments are the same places that you will have seen. There are a couple of new ones. And those are the most exciting bits. Uh, but in general, I was just like, this game very much needs new content and it needs it now. Like it needs new enemies because i just feel oh, like yeah. we've done this before. Also, um, sorry, is that the Hulk with an old Hulk? Who is that? Yes, yeah. That was, yeah. that was the Hulk. Okay. It's, it's basically, um, his name is Maestro. It's like when Bruce dies i guess or whatever i don't know if hulk, i'm not super up to date on the comics so i don't know particularly but basically uh, it's hulk when bruce banner is no longer a part of the mix ah uh, uh, it's uh it's a little weird that was that his campaign was very short and also the very beginning of his campaign for clint specifically mm-hmm. you cannot play co-op so there's like one mission you have to do solo which makes sense, like narratively, it does make sense why you're in there solo. So I'm not knocking that at all. It's just a, an FYI if you were going to play this and wanted to play with friends, like you have to get that intro mission done and then you can play the rest of the campaign with a with a co-op buddy. 
But the game kept trying to force me to be Clint. It kept, like, I accidentally went into one of the things as Clint because it just, it auto-changed it at the last second. And I was like, you son of a bitch. I'm playing Black Widow. How dare you? (laughs) And it was like, don't you want to be Clint? He's the new one. I'm like, look, I know he's the new one. And I know he's the person that this is all about. But I want to play Black Widow. And he can just be on the AI squad with me. Why do you keep forcing me to play Clint? I don't want to play Clint. Like, like, we want you to. We spent so much money on this, please. Clint is fine, and I actually liked his powers. It's just for me, mentally, like, I do not feel like leveling another character again. If I could automatically be, like, my same stats on Black Widow or the same as on Clint, then fine. Like, I wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, like, I'm used to Black Widow. I know what she does. I know her combos. And I'm like, I don't feel like learning all this stuff right now for a three-hour campaign because... Once Jackie and I finished that, we were like, okay, we probably won't be picking this up again until Wakanda. So uh, that was what I was going to ask you is so hopping back in. Did it feel like any other major improvements were there or is it mostly just like it's a new campaign, new character? No, just just yeah. some new fun added bits for a new campaign, and new characters. There's I still have issue with the way that they structure a lot of their missions because you just find yourself bouncing back and forth. For instance, it'll be like, oh, in order to start Kate's campaign, you go to this new... They did add a new um, hideout so that it has multiple factions in it. You don't fucking hop between all three of them to get Mm -hmm. your dailies and everything, which is nice. But it does often force you to go back there. So it'll be like you start out in the base... Then you have to go to the mission to do a thing. Then you have to go back to the base. Then you have to go back out. Then you have to go back to the base. Then you have to go back out. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just let me play through a thing. I don't know. But the I did not enjoy the bouncing back and forth. But I do think that the characters are fun. And I think Jackie really liked Kate Bishop. She is now like a Kate Bishop main. I let her. I let her be Kate Bishop. I was like, yeah, you go for it. I'm, I'm still... Could be over here being Black Widow, but... Yeah. I mean, the roadmap that we saw a few weeks ago looks promising with the new game modes and whatnot, but it sounds like we're just still some time away from those. They still have they still have things needed. to fix, but um, yeah. I do hope that they get it together, because I do think that game is... It is fun when you're with a friend, and you or multiple friends, and you kind of just get to run around beating stuff up as Avengers. Like, that is cool and fun. Uh, they just need to kind of sort a few things out first. Word. Well, that's uh, yeah, that echoes pretty much everything that I've heard about what's happening with Avengers. But it's one of those games that I feel like I will go back to eventually once there's like a critical mass of content that I haven't played. And that way I can kind of like go through multiple DLCs. So maybe when the Black Panther DLC is released, we can all yeah, play for together. Sure. Yeah, Wakanda is what I'm looking forward to. What you're not looking forward to, though, is revisiting your <laughs> Animal Crossing island and not for your Bunny Day, friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> bad Bunny. He is terrifying. Zipper clearly has murdered people and put their body parts in eggs. That's all I'm going to say. Zipper <laughs> is the failed actor for the next Five Nights at Freddy's. Zipper applied for that yes. job, and they're like, "Sorry, man. Like he you're too fits there for us." I know. But he was even yeah. too bad for five nights. Like, that's crazy. I didn't even think about the fact that he look he really does look like a five nights at Freddy's. Yeah. He absolutely does. That's a you 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 nailed that. But 
if you remember, I was not yet into Animal Crossing during the Bunny Day event last year that everybody was so mad about. I do love, Britt, how you tweeted that Rihanna clip about her being <laughs> very upset about the eggs during the cherry blossom. Oh, I love her. <laughs> eggs were everywhere. The eggs are everywhere. Like, I just want pretty pink things, and all I'm getting is stupid eggs. Um, I hope you I'm like eggs. I'm all of that for the first time right now. The Bunny How's Day it going? Event. Um, so far, so good, because I don't feel, like, any pressure to collect all of the DIYs, because... Is that your fire alarm? <coughs> Sorry, the fire alarm in our house is going off, because I believe yeah. my husband is cooking. Check on him, or do I just... I think job. he's probably fine. Okay, the alarm the alarm went off. Okay. Yeah, we're all fine. <laughs> we're, don't burn the house down, honey. Not while I'm shooting the show. <laughs> um, I love you, John. Um, so I don't have it. I don't feel any pressure to like collect everything. And the cherry blossom event is not happening right now uh, because I believe that's happening later in April. So they don't overlap because, you know, the date of Easter, which Bunny Day is modeled after, of course, moves around every year. So Bunny Day is much earlier, and I believe the Cherry Blossom event is coming back in a couple of weeks, so them not overlapping, I think, is a good thing. But I just, I sort of have a desire to farm for certain eggs to get a couple of the recipes, but I'm just, like, barely decorating. I'm putting, out like, a Bunny Day planter here, some mm. Bunny Day balloons here, and I'm like, eh. If I design it, great. I'm just kind of approaching my Animal Crossing Island right now with just like whatever I feel like doing. I haven't really been as big into maintaining my island. Um, obviously because I was gone for my island for a couple of weeks by, yeah. uh, by uh, not by my choice. And I obviously like just have not had a desire, as I mentioned earlier, to play too many games. But um, it's been nice to like pop in and do things like when I want to and not feel any pressure anymore to make sure I get all my DIYs because I've become pretty proficient at Nookazon, so I have most of the things I want now, which is great. So are, have you ran out of steam? Do you think you'll ever get like rehooked on it again? Um, I don't know. I think they would have to make a sig substantial update to the game in order for me to get rehooked on it. But right now, even the Mario stuff didn't like really inspire me. Like I thought it was going to, I bought a bunch of it just to have it, mm -hmm. but like, there's just, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've, I may have peaked. I may have like, I mean, you have like 700 hours in that yeah. game. So yeah, I was going to say, that's a good run. That's a good run. You should be proud. Yeah. It, I do like picking it up. Um, when I, don't feel like watching tv or if i'm watching like background tv like i've been mm -hmm. watching a lot of discovery plus um <laughs> it's easy for me to just like play my switch on the couch while i'm also watching tv and animal crossing is one of those things that i can easily do without like the sound on mm -hmm. um and so like i'll probably keep going back and forth but I'm not nearly as into it as I once was. But boy, am I excited that they finally gave us the opportunity to expand our custom slots. That was Ooh. a fun upgrade to buy. So you can buy an upgrade for your island designer app with Nook Miles, and you can get 50 additional custom slots. Ooh. Ooh. 
Okay. I can finally have the path on my island. I've wanted it forever, but it's like 12 slots. I'm like, holy shit. Slots. That is a lot. But now I can do it. Hmm. It's exciting. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. Well, you've been up to a lot more than that. But, <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for our hands-on segment for this week. When we come back, we are going to do our Patreon-produced segment, and it's a good one this month. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the third segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And this week, it is our Patreon-produced segment where we take suggestions from our Patreon community, and y'all vote on those suggestions, and then we talk about it. And this month's winning topic comes from Caitlin, and the topic is, when it comes to women's representation in video games, how have things improved and what still needs work? So we're going to talk about that, but first... We're going to go through our list of elite patrons in above. We love and appreciate so much. It is time for your podcast shout out where we will butcher your name. Yes. All love right. This Once part of the start. Month. I'll start. All right, Nicholas girl. Perry. Casual, Casual blasphemy. Oh, no, jeez. <laughs> we fucked that up. Okay. Andrea Steimer Britt. That's what okay. we'll do. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Casual blasphemy. You get your name read <laughs> twice or three times. <laughs> Bernicia Cunningham. Christina Acevedo. Nick, 24. Kate Ryder. Stephen M. Schneider. Omega Buster. Jason Luck. Dustin Toby. DK2112. Pilgrim Alice. The Male Escort. Mm. The Supreme Commander of the Cyber Chihuahua Ninja Army. Sean Smith. Daniel Hull. Bingzu Pow. Alexandra David. Flying Cosmo. Eric Z. Ermagerd Arenda. Carla Callahan. Nathan Watkins. Ah, uh, Chewie mm, Scottson. Michaela Sage. Mick, a.k.a. The Nanobiologist. Alex Kilma. Al Treisman. Retro Sloth. Tara Brudo. Brittany Heath. Trent Berry. Sean I. Justin Foss. Brian R. Johnson. Justin Foshi. Jasmine Says. Patrick Leandry. Pactified. Rob Leonard. Jose Perez. Melanthius Owens. Professor Woke. Brian Harper. Patrick Higgins. Kenneth Stibble. Zach Hershey. Chanty Bennington. Emily Kent. Roland Bala. I'm Donovan. E. Benjamin Checkis. Ferris Atia. Gary Oxborough. Jessica Blum. Patrick Weller. Sultan85. Matthew Goddard. Noel Navarez. Tyler McCall. Devin Nitz. Adriana Rock Williams. Chad Jackson Burgess. Mohammed Mohammed. Chris Wilson. Renate Burns. Samantha Yvonne. Joselle Bassa. Andrew Susan. Gary Peck. Dale Sun. Nambui. Robert F. Freimering. Marcus Ian Brown. Pete Shoemaker. Carl Peterson. Joe Kennison. Bill Stilwell. My mama, Teresa Enert. Jason Demers. Alex Regopoulos. Andrew Cotton. Kia B. David Agalucci. Joe Schleif. Christian Rodriguez. Tickle Me Elmo Shell. <laughs> Elizabeth Brooke. 
Gio Corsi. Male Bittner. Jared Howard. Ozzy Mieha. Nicole Humphrey. Stephanie Fitzwilliams. John Drake. And Lon Trevastocki. Thanks, friends. We love you and appreciate you so, so, so much. And I have to say, Britt, you did a banger of a job getting that cool Pokemon design for months or for March's Divine Membership Reward. If you guys missed it, you can catch it on the What's Good Games Twitter account, What's Good underscore Games. It is the three of us each with our own little Pokemon. And of course, I had to go with Magikarp. Oh, my God. I'm so happy you got the Magikarp. She's so perfect. <laughs> he looks like a really angry Magikarp, too. <laughs> He's a fierce foe, Andrea, okay? Fearsome foe is that Magikarp. Don't fucking piss him off. He'll turn into a Gyarados. I, I like it. I have to I have to get him to evolve at some point. Gotta, gotta just gotta beat him up a little bit. Beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do love, love this it. topic, though, that Caitlin picked. It's a great way to end Women's History Month since we didn't really have a special panel or stream or anything highlighting women's history month i was happy to see a lot of other people did some really cool things obviously being a women-run business uh, women's history month is very important to us here at what's good games and so thank you caitlin for your topic when it comes to women's representation in video games how things improved and what still needs work because let's be honest definitely still needs work Super yeah. Seducer 3 is still a game that exists. Oh my God. Wasn't the fourth one just banned from Steam? And I, the third one, yeah. Oh, it was the third one. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, you see examples of that, and you're like, okay, like, yeah, that's really gross and nasty. But then you see other representation of women in games. You know, you think of, like, The Last of Us Part Two. You think about, even in Outriders, the female, well, I don't know, does she have a, does she have a canon name? No, she's an, just an outrider. Just outrider. Like, you know, just like stuff like that. I'm like, okay, cool. But then, yeah, you have that nasty shit. And then you have this Ubisoft film and television announcement script deal. Did you guys see this too? Where they're yeah, making, I did. They're making a movie based off of a female developer who's having problems with her love life. I'm like, of all like angles what? to tackle, that's the one you tackle. I mean, it could still be really fun and interesting. It just seems kind of like cliche. Um, yeah. So anyway... It's a, it's a pitch working, okay, with replay. So here it is. Today, Ubisoft Film and Television announced that Annabelle Seymour has secured a script deal for a feature film. As a participant in the 2020 Women's Film and Television Fellowship, Seymour developed a pitch with, while working with title Replay, wherein a video game reviewer, excuse me, who is unlucky in love is given the power to play her dating life like a video game. Like Again, I think this could be fun. It could be interesting. There's some potential there. But I'm like, is that really the whatever? It's like a so IRL dating sim. Maybe. I don't know. It could be pulled off. We'll see. It's just one of those things you read and you're like, oh. Yeah. I've heard of some other gaming projects that are in the works for film and TV that center on um, like girl gamers. And then it's like you got to tread very carefully because I think people who identify as women – have already been through enough throughout their lives being gamers and enjoying nerd and geeking gaming hobbies overall that I think a lot of us just go, hey, I just want to love the things I love and not have it have to be tied to the gender that I am. Can I just enjoy playing whatever game I want and somebody doesn't have to make a comment about my gender? That would be aces. I know that that's a common recurring theme for 
women I know in the space who get approached to do panels or to speak publicly mm. about being a woman in gaming. And it's something we've talked about on the show before. And we've talked about at panels that we've done at PAX or in other places. I know Brittany and I spoke extensively about gender role when we did our dice roundtable um, last year, talking about, you know, like what, what it means to diversify in the space. And I have personally spoke about the importance of representation, but the dangers of kind of towing that line of tokenism and saying like, well, we need a seat at the table, but I don't want a seat at the table just because I'm a token. And mm. how I personally struggle with the idea that I will take the token spot if it means that that representation is there, but I want to get away from the tokenism of it. And we're just not quite there yet. But when it comes to representation for like, you know, female presenting characters in games, we've definitely come a long way mm -hmm. um, in the last couple of years specifically, but in the last 10 years, we've made huge strides. And, you know, I think that it's great. I think it's great that there's more voices and there's more representation and more people can see themselves in games. Yeah, I was just remembering the year where I think there was like three or four box arts that looked almost exactly the same. It was dude with a gun, like a shaved buzz cut in like a gritty color palette. And I just and I remember like a story being going out about that and just being like, Literally all of this looks the same. Like there's nothing to differentiate any of these things. And while yes, there's still a lot of, you know, male characters being presented as the leads in games, there are at least usually options to play as a female character. Um and that I think alone is is really exciting. Cause mm -hmm. I remember when, you know, back back in the day playing Mass Effect and that being an option really meant a lot. And um and it's it was fairly unusual for the time. So I think the more we get of that and the more that that becomes less of a feature, just more of a standard is, yeah. is really cool. And it's nice too that whenever there are female roles, you know, it's not like they're only the healer or only like the scantily clad mage, you know? And again, I'm going back to Outriders because that's just the most recent example, but the female Outrider, like I think she's a badass. I love her lines, I love her delivery. Maybe the lines are the exact same as the male and that's in all likelihood probably the case, but the way she c carries herself, very confident, very strong. And that's something that we just aren't used to seeing all that often. So I think that's um, an awesome improvement. And it's nice to see that, you know, we're not all mages. <laughs> you know, we're not all like healers and like these little dainty little like fragile things that need to be like considered a healer. Again, like the tokenism thing that Andrea was talking about. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we still see falters from time to time. Again, like I'm not trying to rank on Ubisoft, but remember the um, For Honor yeah, a thing that was just a few years back, oh, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the animation of like grabbing onto the woman's breasts. Like, come on. Like that's, you know, but we talked about that extensively. Um, but yeah, like I, I think, you know, it's definitely come a long way. Even looking like remakes and remasters, like Resident Evil 3, um, the remake that just came out, they did a lot to make Jill a much more like confident, strong woman. Whereas in the original, while she was still pretty badass, she wasn't as assertive and she wasn't as she didn't have that air of confidence about her that she did in the new one. And I'm really happy that they remade her in that way as well. So yeah, yeah, 
I'm trying to think of other examples of female leads that have just came out recently besides Tilu too. Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider semi-recent. I mean, obviously we go back to Aloy a lot in yeah. Horizon with Forbidden West, you know, coming up hopefully <laughs> later this year. <laughs> we're seeing a lot more representation in the indie space, which is great. So yeah. we're getting, you know, more women of color. We're getting more LGBTQ, um, LGBTQ plus, excuse me, uh, representation as well because I think that, you know, indie developers obviously are able to have more flexibility and they don't have to be beholden to some antiquated people around a boardroom, you know, who only think of video games in one particular way and don't realize that people who enjoy video games come from all different walks of life and are all different in colors, genders, shapes, and sizes. And I think that we're going to continue to see that proliferate into AAA more and more as leadership becomes more diverse. And that's something we've talked a lot about on the show, about how it really begins internally with getting those voices at the pre-production level of these games. So they're not looking at how do we include diversity and get more women in our game after the game's already almost done, right? It, it goes back to that terrible Ubisoft quote of women are too hard to animate. Right? Oh, yeah. It's always Ubisoft. Oh, it is. I know. You know, they've definitely had some missteps, but I feel like they've learned from their mistakes and are one of the publishers that are doing a great job of really trying to course correct and say, hey, we have it within our means to do better and to be better, and we are going to be better, and we have seen meaningful change from them, and I'm very glad for that. I think Eivor in Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a great example how you can play Eivor gendered or you know you can let the animus decide if you don't want to pick a gender for Eivor and I thought that that was a really strong choice. I love playing as female Eivor and not having that ability to play as a female assassin in the previously in this huge AAA franchise that has sold you know, millions and millions of copies over decades was, you know, something that I was lacking as a player. And I, I, mean, and I really enjoyed my experience. What was that, Snymer? I said Cassandra was before her. Yes, in Origins. Um, and I really liked Cassandra, but I don't know. There was just something about Eivor that I appreciated more as a, as a character. I don't know why. I felt like Cassandra was just a bit caricature caricature-ish like she didn't feel like a real character she just felt like and I, obviously she was like godlike right so <laughs> that had something to do Maybe. with it probably <laughs> um, it just I think Eivor just felt a little grittier and a, a little bit more grounded in reality but like these other characters I know Britt you've been mentioning Outriders I think the Gears of War franchise has done a great job mm -hmm. with their female characters as well and it's something that I always go back to and go, I never feel like I'm a frail woman when I'm playing one of the females in Gears of War. They feel just as strong, just as powerful as all of the male characters do. And I love that, you know, Xbox, you know, and the Coalition have done that with their characters. It's the same reason why I think a lot of people really love Femship, right? Like, is that like female Commander Shepard is just as badass and powerful as male Commander Shepard. She doesn't feel different. 
than he does. She feels better, in fact. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point, too, earlier, Andrea, is that, like, there's always going to be missteps, not just regarding this topic, but regarding a lot of stuff, you know, when it comes to life. And if you are able to recognize that, like, hey, you know, we messed up here, but we're trying to be better, and these are the steps that we're taking to be better so we don't repeat this again, I think that also speaks volumes. And that's why... um, and although we've talked about Ubisoft quite a bit during this segment, not like intentionally, but they just keep popping up. I think that's a really important point to make is that, hey, we get it. Sometimes you just don't have all the information or knowledge in your head that, or life experience or you haven't been in someone else's shoes. But as long as you're trying to do better and you're making proactive steps to prove that, I think that's really important. And I think that's why people speaking up we've seen some great strides so far that's been like, hey, the internet's not afraid to call you out when you fuck up. Obviously, we're, like, we're all very, very well aware of that. But when people actually take that constructive criticism to heart and, and, and activate changes, that's when the real magic happens. And that's worth appreciating. Absolutely. And I love seeing all of the hires that have been happening over the last couple of months, adding women to dev teams. I want to give a quick shout out to our former colleague Alexa Ray Korea who just got a job writing for Sledgehammer Games they have a lot of women on their writing team which I think is awesome I think again when you hit more diverse voices inside development teams they will help shape the vision of where these characters and where these games are going to go and you know when you Caitlin when you ask like you know where do we still have to go I think that's it we still need more diversity on these teams strides are being done and i love seeing teams specifically go after people to diversify their roster i think that that's really important because diversity just doesn't just happen you know our our girl rihanna manuel talked about this quite a bit on a couple of past episodes saying that it's an active task to make sure that your team is diverse you can't just hope that the candidates are going to magically appear because a lot of those candidates have been burned before and have been made to feel shut out and not welcome. And the best way to really bring those voices back in is to actively seek them out and say, you are welcome. Your voice is needed. Please come and help shape the vision for what our game, what our studio, what our team can become. And we're seeing more and more studios do that. And I think that that is awesome. Word. Yeah, one thing that I think, you we're talking about this a little bit ago, so I apologize for necro bumping a little bit. But um, and it's a bit of a counterpoint. So I, I really enjoy, obviously, when there are, are indicators of like FemShep where they're kind of on a similar playing field as the male characters, but I also really enjoyed um, seeing different representations of femininity in a game and what that can mean. And I think a really great example of that um, is actually the Final Fantasy VII remake. So Tifa, you know, feels much different from Aerith. And I think that they are both still very valid and very fun ways of playing the game. But Aerith is much lighter, right? She is a little bit more what you would think of in a traditional Uh, like woman role versus Tifa who is a little bit sturdier and obviously packs a punch as she should literally Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but like I really enjoyed that they felt like they could take that freedom and that liberty and like mess around with what it means and how how their powers from you know the olden days would translate into something that is a little more action oriented 
Yeah. And that's not totally. something you traditionally see from Japanese teams in particular, because Japanese games have a very specific view on female characters sometimes, and yeah. it's not always a great one. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, Simer, and I and I think it kind of comes down to like we females, men, women, we can do anything. Like there does it doesn't have to fit into this gendered role. And the example I think about is um, in It Takes Two, for example. You know, you have these two parents, and you're just not used to seeing this portrayed in media where the wife May is the engineer, and the husband Cody is the one who stays at home with his daughter. And there's a point in the game where you suddenly have, in one of the many fun levels of this game, where you are suddenly in an isometric dungeon crawler, and it gives you uh, roles that you, like, you know, typical dungeon crawler roles. And so May becomes the hard-hitting melee, and Cody becomes the, the mage. And to me, for some reason, like, I was so surprised by that, because om- you'd almost expect a game to give, like, the melee to the man to the male character and give the female character the mage role, and they didn't. And I was like, that's really cool, because that's always the roles Jason and I play when we play Dungeon Crawlers. I'm always the mage, he's always, like, the little fragile, I'm always the melee, and he's always a little fragile mage. And it's just little things like that that I don't think would catch the eye of most people playing a game. But when you're so used to seeing the representation that you have been seeing, those little differences really make a huge impact. I thought that was awesome. They did a really good job of that game. If I haven't stressed it enough, you should play it. Everybody. John and I have talked about playing it. We haven't played a co-op game together in a long time because our I gaming styles don't other. always mesh. Yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> you two playing play a game together. <laughs> but I'll play with you. Yay! Well, uh, speaking of like ed- edits or adjustments, um, it, ma- it made me think of this story, which some people were on the internet were, of course, mad about. But whatever. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that Bioware decided to tweak um, some of the cinematic shots around Miranda in the upcoming oh. Mass Effect Legendary series. So, obviously, when the game first came out, there were a lot of very gratuitous butt shots like the camera oh, just yeah being there centered. was a lot of butt shots i mean and l- to be fair it's a very lovely butt it's, it's a, a very nice good butt. butt and i'm not here to butt shame anybody you know like if you want to show your butt show your butt but i do think it's it was nice of them to consider that hey we are maybe overly objectifying this character and maybe we should rein it in a little bit and like yes she's still curvy and she's still sexy and she's still um, retains all of those elements, so like none of that has changed. But we're just gonna try and like respect her a little bit more, <laughs> and make sure she has a bit more agency in some of these scenes versus just being like, "and here's your ass and not your face." Mm-hmm. Like, and people got mad. They were like, "bring back, bring back the butt," and I was like, "I mean, I don't know if people realize that porn exists, but it does." And there's yes. plenty of it, and there's plenty of OnlyFans, and there's plenty of like sexy girls on the internet showing you their butt. So like, I don't understand why you would be mad about a not real butt when you could be mad about a real butt. Go be mad about a real butt that you can't touch, because like you couldn't touch this even if it were real, because it's a bunch of fucking pixels. It's true. <laughs> and good news, Mass Effect Two, the original game exists, uncut with Miranda butt for your pleasure. So true. <laughs> 
YouTube probably has a bunch of those cutscenes for you. Just watch oh yeah, it. there's undoubtedly a super oh, cut of just Miranda sure bloodshots. Lots of mods of all the characters naked doing things. So like, hey, you do you. Yeah, like if you want to find that stuff on the internet, you go for yeah. it. We're not taking anything away from you. No. But just understand the significance of that change. That's all we're asking. Yeah, and it's really just more of them realizing and taking a step back and be like, oh, I don't think we really intended to do this here. But we did. And, oh, somebody and intended it, but then they I mean, were yes, like, but not in a way. Like it's one of those things where the best idea, guys, where you don't necessarily think about it, right? You're like, oh, yeah. she's sexy. We definitely want to. We want to do this, but you're not thinking about the repercussions of what you're doing. You're just kind of going on autopilot a little bit. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah. I liked that decision. I thought it was a good one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And again, was. I appreciate a good butt. Yeah. We but like you know what? I don't need to game. see it in every frame. Exactly. Well, ladies, I think that we all agree that representation has come a long way and there are some badass lady characters, but of course, we could always use more. Could always mm-hmm. use more badass lady characters. So, Caitlin, thank you so much for your question and thank you to everybody who submits their ideas for segment ideas. Don't forget, if you want to submit an idea for us to talk about, you've got to go to patreon.com slash what's good games and get involved. We've got lots of different tiers to choose from. And thank you to everybody who supports the show. I know I say this all the time. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we could not do what's good games without you. So thank you for supporting us through thick and thin and making sure that our women voices remain constant in the world of video game podcasts and that's going to do it for our show for this week we will be back next week with another excellent show and don't forget to mark all of those dates from the announcements in your calendars don't forget have a great weekend everybody see you next time